Welcome. <laughs> Shark bait. Hoo ha ha. Hoopla. 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 Hoo ha ha. Punch it, Chewy. Hoopla. <laughs> Welcome to Hero Hoopla. Hoopla! The unofficial podcast of saving the multiverse and restoring the multiverse, I guess, and not redestroying it again and then bringing it back and then destroying it all over again and then we're going to save it. That's right. We're back talking about Loki Season 2. Episode 3 just came out. We just watched it mere moments ago, and we're here for the instant reaction hoopla episode. I can't wait to talk about it. Season 2, Episode 3 of Loki, titled 1893. We're going back to the past, and coming along to the past with me is the wonderful members of the Hoopla Croopla. As always, we have the lore master, Andy Smith. Hey, Jamie, uh, Andy Smith here, connoisseur of many nerdy things, DC, Marvel, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Wow, what about that? We uh, we got a pretty good episode here. We sure did. You guys did. excited? You guys excited? I, I had a good time with Hoopla. it. I'm excited to do this immediate instant reaction pod. Yeah, I had a good time. I enjoyed it a lot, and I can't wait to hear what the Marvel mastermind, the superhero expert, Chris Pio, thinks about this thing. I have got plenty of things to say, and some of it might happen in an 1893 robber baron accent. Some of it might happen in my regular accent, but I am here. Chris Pio is in the building, and I'm ready to talk about episode three, the real episode three. Incredible. And to welcome in our fourth member of the Hoopla Croopla, we got to take a step back into the past where we find ourselves... At the World's Fair in Chicago, 1893, he's selling some sort of magical instrument over here. What do you got for us this week, Jakey? Well, step right up. We got a uh, flubanob. Uh, you got to get yourself a flubanob. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it makes some fun noises. It goes a bing, a bing, a, and a boom. Uh, welcome back. And here we are. Jake Laxer here. Lover of all things TV and movies. I think I want me one of those flubanobs. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll pay you $5,000 for a flubanob. <laughs> oh, man. I got you gotta love a good flubin' up. Um, yeah, so this was uh, finally right on par with what we were expecting this season. Does not change my opinion yes. about the intro to our last episode. Um, True. That was what I'm going to call an excuse for a plot line. Anyhow, we're, <laughs> we're, we can luckily say we have this and we're moving forward with it. We're moving forward, but we're also moving back because we're going Ooh. to all sorts of different timelines traveling the multiverse trying to start it up again and restart it and find the guy who's gonna it's confusing time stuff we'll get into it that doesn't matter but in the meantime thanks for tuning into the hoopla podcast we're talking about all sorts of different stuff these days we got loki we got gen v we got probably some movies coming out so if you want to stay up to date with what we're doing you got to follow us on all those social media accounts chris where can they find us Oh, yeah. You're going to want to pull out your temp pad. You're going to want to go to X, Instagram, or TikTok and follow at Hoopla Podcast. No need to run a trace. Just type it in at Hoopla Podcast. Give us a follow. Engage with us online. Definitely tell us your theories about what's going to happen in the back half of the Loki season, as well as, uh, like you mentioned, a couple of good movies coming up. We've got the Marvels to continue on the MCU in deep into this phase five now. 
Gen V, we're still talking about very much enjoying Gen V. Hard to talk about Gen V with uh, with all the mature themes going on, but <laughs> if you want to talk about it, let us Lots know. Get online, follow us at <laughs> Mature <Kubla> Podcasts. <laughs> what an That's understatement! That's one way to put it. <laughs> mature themes, immature themes, <laughs> themes. Yeah, it's got themes. Uh, this is Hoopla After Dark. <laughs> Thank you for yeah. I love Hoopla After Dark, and we're wearing shades for this episode of the Hoopla Podcast. Nobody can see us, but I'm sure you can hear by our demeanor in this episode that we're all rocking shades, except for Jake. Hey, I'm I'm wearing blinders to the haters. You know, no need. <laughs> there it is. No need. Uh, if leave us a, a rating, a review, a comment on whatever podcast app you're listening to, it helps boost us in the algorithm and it lets more people see us. We love bringing as many people into the Hoopla as possible another way to support the show is by checking out some merch andy where can they go hey talking about shades here just if you if you're Ooh. wearing some shades walking down the street and you see across the street someone with the hoopla podcast official t-shirt that is an eye-catching t-shirt right there take a look at hoopla podcast network.square.site for all of the fun merch that we have uh come and support the pod thanks so much i love it and inventor from the 1800s jake uh hear that you have some new merch that we'll be selling on the website can you tell us what that merchandise is yeah we uh actually have a monocle uh engraved hoopla lens <laughs> so if you are interested in magnifying the world in front of you or clarifying that with some slight transparency Boy, do we have the thing for you. Just on one side, though. Yeah, just on one side. Jake, I have a question. Uh, are you currently accepting pre-orders for the Flubinob? Uh We are <laughs> currently accepting pre-orders. Uh, Andy, would you like to tell them where they can go? <laughs> you can get a Flubinob right here on hooplapodcastnetwork.square.site. Uh, it's... <laughs> so it's I know you guys are all... Yet. <laughs> racing to your computers to go order that so we'll give you a little bit of time to go do that as we take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about loki season two episode three 1893 right after this reading glasses is a podcast where we (laughs) (laughs) this episode is brought to you by the reading glasses podcast a podcast where i read a book with a person and then we talk about it and it's fun go listen to it and we're back (laughs) and we're back and we're back we're back on pod and we are also back in the mcu man this episode like jake said was a return to form i don't know how you guys feel but i feel like this is this 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 doesn't exactly explain what weirdness happened in episode two we kind of thought episode two was missing some pieces but as we jump into episode three, the same kind of thing happens, but it made so much more sense here. This episode just was composed better. It was longer for one. So there was just simply more content and more time to explain things. And I think it was just a lot better overall, a lot better. And how can you start a, a great episode, but with the first opening Marvel piano bar sequence? Yes. Oh that was yes. just, I love what an amazing beginning moment. Very cool. That takes you right into 1863. I loved the scenery in this episode. The, 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 the seat, the scenery, the the different sets that they had, the costumes, just the entire vibe of the episode. This kind of goes to what mm-hmm. we wanted out of episode one, 
where mm-hmm. we are going yes. to see a variant of He Who Remains in a in a timeline, a different type of He Who Remains, a different type of Kane the Conqueror. Yeah. What an outstanding performance from Jonathan Majors as oh, as yeah. uh Victor Timely. Like that was incredible. Like Yeah, once again, he's three for three. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this, this episode was everything we've wanted and more since the start of Loki season two. Um, do I think it was the right move to wait till uh, halfway through the season pretty much to introduce Victor Timely? No. But am I glad that they did it in a really effective manner? Yes. Jonathan Majors, let's talk about his acting range because holy shit. I mean, yeah, he yeah. is this sort of awkward, ingenious fraud that's sort of just making his way with this book of nonsensical madness from this authority that from who knows where and he capitalizes on it and just to see you know his invention with the refrigerator chair and you know he stands up in front of this crowd trying to do this whole presentation i mean great character i i mean yeah very well done jonathan majors um if uh, the NFL can forgive Deshaun Watson, uh, I don't know what Disney's thinking about here. Okay, but, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> here we go. This is the section of the podcast where we bring out our hot takes on that is social and political issues. Well, I don't think there's any hot take about domestic violence. We certainly don't condone that. We but do not. We'll leave that out of the, uh, the Hoopla podcast. It can't be ignored, but in this particular sense, yes, Jonathan Majors was acting his ass off here it just it just goes to show you that i think he is the perfect person to play this multiversal threat yeah if we're going to have to 100%. see a hundred different versions a thousand different versions or dare i say infinite versions of kang of victor timely of he who remains i think jonathan majors is the perfect person to do it jake i think you're right maybe we could have gotten a little bit of introduction in maybe episode two his presence has been looming though from mm. the very first scene of the start of this season. So it was, fun, it was good to finally see him. And then we're not really seeing him. Everyone thinks it's him. Sylvie certainly thinks so. Loki and, and Mobius are after him, of course. But this is a very different type of he who remains. And I love the way that he introduced him. Yeah, fantastic introduction. Uh-oh. Can you guys indulge me as I tell you an early theory right now? Oh, let's Start hear it. We can love an early theory. For the indulge. whole of the MCU going forward. At the end of this episode, we get Miss Minutes telling Renslayer that she has a secret that Renslayer is yes. not going yeah. to like. Is Renslayer a variant of Kang? Whoa! Yes, absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's exactly what I was thinking too. You nailed it. Yes, I think that would be awesome. You're gonna be real angry. That would be awesome. <laughs> yep, yep. I yep. I like that. Yep. Because it's all this stuff going on with the variants is very strange. You know, it's like Loki and Sylvie, of course, are these mm. two very distinct characters, but at the same time, they're the same person and. In the Loki and uh, Loki and Sylvie situation, it's it's easier for us to see them as two separate characters. But when we're talking about the variants of Kang, we have all these different timelies and He Who Remains and Kang the Conqueror and and all those people that seem to be just one person in different timelines. 
And mm -hmm. I guess I don't know if I have a question about it. I'm just confused. You know, it's it's hard to keep track of, yeah. is he the same person or is he a different person? Should he be held responsible for the actions of a different variant? The same way that in season one, Lokis were held responsible for things like every single Loki in every branch timeline was a problem that needed to be solved. Yeah, I don't know if I have a question. I'm just confused. And maybe that plays to the fact that we know that there is a Council of Kings at the end of Quantum Medium. We saw a thousand Kings together. So yeah. yes, every uh, presumably all the universes understand that a one single Kang or he who remains variant is is a danger to society. But I love the idea of having. We've seen an alligator Loki. We've seen Sylvie. We've seen President Loki. We've seen our Loki. I love the idea of them just continually playing on of the variant like kind of storyline and connecting those. And I think that's a very plausible. And I don't know if I would say likely, but I could see that that be uh, a fun take in the last half of the season. The one thing I would state is Ravona. You know, from from what we know in the comics, is uh, like a love interest to to Kang in some ways. Just like sure. Loki and Sylvie, and they played on that with Victor with with Victor Timely, and they can still do that because these are separate people, separate entities, different universe versions. So I, I think that's a really fun idea. And then seeing how, well, I, you know, that, that opens up so much, Jamie, because Ravona has had her mind wiped again and again by He Who Remains, mm -hmm. right? Isn't that what we learned in the past? Has she always known, has she like Ouroboros or has she Great also question. had her mind yeah. wiped? That means a, a very, a loke or a, um, a He Who Remains kept mind wiping another he who remains i love that idea yeah i mean that's exactly what i was gonna say is to keep you know to keep his title and stay in the last and final seat that was that's probably the only way he could go about doing that is by you know keeping away the competition that's very interesting i'm curious i'm curious and i'll have to go back and do some research because i can't seem to find it right now we know that most of if not all of the tva employees had some sort of life on the sacred timeline refresh my memory in season one don't we see ravona as a, a just like a teacher yeah if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. yeah. Where was she teaching? Do we remember? Ooh, was it Chicago? Because wouldn't it be so funny if it was Chicago? Yeah. And to expound on your theory, Jamie, perhaps a variant of Kang, perhaps a descendant of Victor Timely oh, somehow. A descendant. And maybe a good that's idea. why she'd be so angry is because he who remains knew that there was a descendant, went back and then stole her off the timeline in order to make her into his, her number two, his number two. So I have to do a little research in that. I couldn't quite find it, but I like your theory, Jamie. I like that descendant mm -hmm. theory. I think that could be maybe good descendant too. as well. We'll see. You know what I thought? I thought was really interesting and a twist in the in the storyline is when she brings up partnership and he yeah. he he hears partnership from the from the robber baron, which I loved. He yeah. the 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 thug is named a robber baron. Doesn't have a name. <laughs> All, all settlers cried out in celebration. <laughs> exactly. At that. Uh, or agony. Uh, he, Don't roll a seven. She also then <laughs> brings up partnership and he throws her off the off the boat. But if we remember back in episode one, the recording, he states, 
uh, I something to the fact of you've been a marvelous partner to me. Yes. I can't wait for all the things we'll do together. Ooh, and so catch. what's the difference between Ravona and Victor in this, uh, you know, timeline and then, you know, he who remains in Ravona in the future? Something to think about. It's mm. a great question. Does Miss Minutes, who has clearly turned into a bit of a uh, <laughs> little crush on yeah. on on Victor Timely and therefore, well, obviously has a crush on he who remains and is just carrying over to all variants. She wants a body, maybe... Hmm, I'm theory crafting now. We need to get into more of the narrative, but maybe she turns into Ultron. Yeah. <laughs> Ultron. <laughs> yeah. Miss Minutes Ultron Avengers. No, 5, no, no. Please. That could work. She finds a way to turn into a Ravona carbon copy. Mm. And that's who's on the recording. That's what I'm getting. Oh, at. okay. Mm. Okay. And you've been a marvelous partner, and that's actually talking about Miss Minutes. Lots of things to discuss. Yeah, so I mean, could Renslayer be an alternate, you know, physical embodiment of Miss Minutes? I think that's also a possibility as well. True. I'd be surprised if that was the case. But yeah, Jake, your theory's terrible. <laughs> Jake. Oh man, <laughs> 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 no, I, 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 I think it could be. It could be. It could be. We don't know. What we don't know is we got more questions than answers, but. I think this episode proves that questions are okay, and I actually want to know the answers to these questions. I didn't need to know how to interrogate Brad best. <laughs> I didn't need to know that the key lime pie was delicious in the last episode. It wasn't, because key lime pie is gross. But these oh, are now shame. getting into the questions that I want answered and want to find and watch the solutions of. And this episode just got me excited, not only for Loki, but it's kind of getting us back on track. They do... There is a moment about halfway through the episode where they kind of use Victor Timely as the audience in a way. Mm. They kind of admit to themselves, and I, I kind of saw this as Marvel kind of admitting, okay, a long time ago, did you catch that, by the way? A long time yeah. ago, far <laughs> from now. It wasn't the full line, but it's definitely yeah, a yeah. Like, Ooh, Ooh, yeah, Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars. Are they going to say it? <laughs> that would have been a ridiculous line if they actually said <laughs> in, a in a galaxy. A long time ago, in a timeline far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> but they do kind of, on the nose, take a moment to explain how ludicrous everything is. She kind of goes into that rant. Oh, oh yeah, so a trickster god uh, found is working with another trickster god of exactly the same nature and ended up murdering you. And by the way, you control all of time and space, and are you ready for this? And they kind of explain it in a way that the audience is like, okay, yeah, this is pretty ludicrous. I understand how crazy it is but you've made it relatable by bringing Victor Timely into it and explaining it to him. So I, I, I liked how they did that. It was a little on the nose, but it kind of needed to happen. And I think it's Marvel kind of admitting, we know we're a little off the rails. It's time to reel it back in. Yeah, um, I, I think... I think we all can sort of agree that the MCU and the direction that they've tried to take these shows in, maybe initially their intention was to, you know, expand the universe, but for sure they've gone off the rails. Um, you don't say. Yeah, I'm glad we're actually following the sacred timeline now. Uh, <laughs> I use that intentionally uh, because it actually makes me want to watch the show. Like I... Hmm. It, 
Like it's it's all for nothing almost. It feels like to me sometimes when we're watching. These Jake, M- you love MC. steaks. You say it I, all the I time. I love steaks. <laughs> yeah, I need steaks. I need you know in some you know tie to the main storyline. Otherwise, you know why are we doing this just to flesh it out for the sake of fleshing it out? I mean, if I if I have to watch homework on television and I used that word last time. I want it to be for a reason. I want there to be intent. I, I, you know, but this is exactly it. This is what we're looking for. So if the MCU right. keeps putting content out like this, then by all means, keep doing your thing. Jake, this is an immediate reaction. And because you mentioned the sacred timeline, we saw in Quantumania, Kang the Conqueror was not from the sacred timeline. He was put there in this place by the other Kangs. Am I right when I say that? That is correct. That is and correct. I think you're right. So Victor Timely is truly our, the sacred timeline, uh, Kang the Conqueror, he who remains variant. Right. Where is he of. who remains from? I mean, he had to. But do we even know that, though? Because he, for all we know, he was just some uh, little boy in Chicago. Right. Until the plan was in motion to return the TVA guidebook to him. I, I, we, we These are questions. <laughs> we don't know. It's all too confusing. <laughs> we don't have to jump down there, but I, I, I love, I love that this. So it's still, yeah. even though it's not hitting us on the head of here's the expanded uh, MCU, you know, scenarios. Like this is, yeah. this is a very specific storyline to itself. But at the same time, it does connect into these other places, which I think we can appreciate. Um, but I just love like Kang as just an entity is so unique and something mm. they need to play on. We need to feel something for this character. And they're doing it by this Victor Timely character and like seeing the growth of the kid getting the TVA guidebook and then becoming this con artist at in a Chicago fair. Like that's just a fun storyline. Yeah, that's so much better than just chasing Brad through uh, (laughs) the UK. Yeah. Hear me out. We've we've had several, you know, MCU TV shows at this point. What if they had redone this whole thing? And what if the main antagonist to all of these shows was a different variant of He Who Remains? I feel like. That would have made everything so much more intriguing. Maybe it would have become redundant. Maybe it would have become boring and that's why they didn't do it or it would have just been overplayed. But I think having this all sort of come together would have been far more intriguing to introduce new characters yet, you know, keep that main foundation for the the antagonist that needs to be the overarching villain. Yeah, I think that would have been great, at least to do a few of the shows with this Kang as the bad guy. I also think they need to do some things that are like lower stakes, more individual Mm. storyline kind of things. But yeah, for many of these shows, I think they would have been a lot better off if Kang was there. You should should be hired into the writer's room of the MCU, Jakey. Like, what if we didn't have the Flag Smashers in Falcon and Winter Soldier and we had a Kang variant? What if instead in Secret Invasion, we had a Kang variant leading the scrolls? Like, what if all these different possibilities, it would have just made now, so much more sense all of this coming together? I, I'm going to disagree. I with get you chastised for bringing up Secret Invasion. Now, he gets a pass <laughs> just because he's trying to rewrite yeah, it. Yeah, because he is that said the rule? something to make it better. <laughs> <laughs> I can't the, one make thing that, the one thing that I am, 
I, I get that point, Jake, just because he's such a good villain. Like, just the the uh, the opportunity is so unique. There is something about having, you know, we, we saw Thanos over time, but in very small moments, just knowing he was behind it all. Yeah. And that built and built and built the expectations, where if you do over-introduce a character, I think that could do some detriment to... I mean, I think they over-introduce the character by putting him in an Ant-Man movie, but that's just me. I think you need to have Kang win in most of these TV shows. Yes, yes. If we're going to go that, that's a good point. method. Like, show how terrifying Kang is as the bad guy by having him defeat right. Ant-Man. Oh, imagine if instead of Kingpin, they used, in uh, the Hawkeye show, they used another Kang variant. Yeah, mm. Kangpin. No, you're, you're not, no, what if, don't touch what that if one. They, you're instead not going to win that battle, She-Hulk, we had a Kang variant twerking with She-Hulk in the that law would firm. Be okay, incredible. anything could have happened. <laughs> no, at that point, you're missing the point of She-Hulk. But I, I get what you're saying, but you're taking it too far. Uh, I, I I agree. Yeah, if he's going to be this multiversal villain, you know, find a way to incorporate him as the villain in other shows. Right. Some of those shows deserve their own antagonist and and work in just the same way. Uh, for instance, WandaVision, you know, the antagonist was mostly Wanda herself until it was revealed that Agatha was behind it all along, which we got a catchy song and that's all well and good. But in the grand scheme of things, Agatha is a very, very dark witch who's trying to cause as much chaos and return to power as much as possible. She's a Kang variant. That's not a multi theory. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. She, she's not a multiversal level threat, but that show worked so well with just the, the magic of the coven. So it didn't necessarily need a Kang variant injected into it. So I like what you're saying, but you know, you got to be selective about it. Otherwise, it's just too much Kang, Kang, Kang. You know what worked out perfectly in this episode to completely change the subject? Loki and Mobius were absolutely yeah. peak Loki and Mobius in this episode. Going on their little investigations, joking around about eating Cracker Jacks. Eating Cracker Jacks. They yeah. taste like ash. <laughs> Mobius had some on his face. <laughs> you actually get the moment where you do see... You know, Odin and and Thor, and he makes the joke about Thor's not that tall. And who was the other? Was it Balder? <laughs> Balder, yes, right. yeah, the, the, the Brave, the half brother. I do think that that's significant that they put that particular god there. Um, and I want to say it's almost alluding to how Loki is the singular Loki out of all the variants of Loki's that's willing to stand up to Sylvie. Elaborate. Well. How does how does that play with like I, I think they could have put any other like God up there with Thor and Odin. That's of the familial, you know, uh, I'm blanking on the name. I'm blanking on the name. Norse What's mythology. The name of the Norse? No, uh, the, um, the city. Uh, Valhalla. Valhalla. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think they could have put any other God up there from Valhalla. But I for the fact that Loki's willing to like fight and stand up against Sylvie and be, a you know, sort of an alternate Loki that we're not usually used to seeing one that's, I guess, good in intent. I don't know. He's he's brave against his norm. I think that was intentional. Yeah, there's certainly a reason they chose Baldur. Mm -hmm. Or there was a cross promotion with Baldur's Gate. Which brings us to the sponsor of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, no, I, all the... All the little quirks about Owen Wilson and, and Tom Hiddleston are, are really working. 
it kind of harkens back to what we said last week about this this monster of the week where we might see to all these mm. different versions of King. And and I when we saw I saw the title was 1893 and I saw the thumbnail was them going back in time. And I was like, this makes more sense and kind of helps explain the episode two where they just jumped back in time. They did it again. And, and I think that's OK because they explained it this time around. But if they're going to do that, the first one, the episode two we watched, of course, was going to feel out of place. Now, we talked about it last week. I'm less confident in my theory that the episodes themselves are out of place or <laughs> yeah. somehow scrambled or <laughs> anything like that. But yeah. I think they 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 didn't necessarily save my feelings about episode two, but they definitely helped in, in the terms of, okay, we're doing this on purpose. There are reasons we're going back to the past. Brad was not the good one to start with, but I understand now what they're trying to do. But even still, why Brad? <laughs> Like, so random. So incredibly random. I feel like this episode made episode two so much worse. Because the only purpose of I that agree. episode yeah. was to introduce Sylvie in the end yes. in an inventive way. And, yep. and to reiterate the point that we need the temporal aura of the Kang variant. That's it. Yeah. There's the two points. They could have improved episode two so easily because they did exactly the same thing in episode three, but they just included a 30 second scene at the start of the episode where they're at the TVA and they just tell you what's happening. They say, oh no, the thing's exploding. We're all going to die. We need to go search for somebody. They could have done that in episode two and said, Renslayer, Miss Minutes, and Sylvie mm-hmm. are out somewhere we don't know. We can't track their trackers, but we can track Brad's tracker. So let's go find Brad and do stuff. And it would take 45 I seconds. Think it's all, I think it's all for the McDonald's partnership that was made. You know? <laughs> Which brings us to the sponsor of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're right. We need a narrator like Clone Wars. Miss Minutes. The rebels have infiltrated the surface moon yeah. of Galandor. Where's the... <laughs> The text crawl at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> oh, we need that. We do need that. Yeah, but this episode was way better. They set up Infinitely the story. Better. They they told us where we were going. They told us why they were going there. And then they went and did it. And it was great. Every, yeah. every part of this episode was fantastic. Even when it got silly with the chase scenes through the carnival and they're yeah. playing like that, that so much 1800s piano music the whole time. And they're just yeah. running in circles and hiding inside a cutout of a wall (laughs) it was great i loved it major shout out um to natalie holt who did the music composed the music for this episode because i mean she crushed it i the whole time i was finding myself just so amused and entertained and just overjoyed with this like it's kind of creepy, mysterious carnival, like classical theme that they were thrown in the background. Yeah, I mean, I was, I loved it. I thought it was so fun. I agree. I think that's that's what we had. We had a fun episode of TV where yeah. the storyline was good and it progressed, and we found out new information about a lot of these characters that we've been following for two seasons now, and we have a lot more questions to look forward to for the future. But I think more importantly than that, it was just a fun show to watch which we don't often get. And and once again, you have the opportunity to go to different points in time. So why not go to the World's Fair in Chicago, right? And, And give us the carnival vibe of late 1800s, 
you know, United States. And you see the crazy scientists like they're just playing on different, like relatable, mm. like situations, things we know about. And this shows fun. And you have Mobius and Loki as a character traversing through it. And that's that's what was fun in season one. Keep doing that in season two. Now, I do have a question where Sylvie is very open to using her powers, but we see a very reserved Loki. And I know, you know, he he's changed over time. He's gone through, you know, season one, he, he changed it. He has experiences that makes him a bit of a better person. But I think he's really, it seems like he's really reserved to use his magic in a lot of ways. And he, he's not very quick to it. Like, do you guys like pick up on that? Like he could get through obstacles a lot quicker if he's just using his magic, he's doing things he's ha- he has in the past. Well, I think you're exactly right. But I think it's not that he's been more reserved, it's that he's more selective. And mm-hmm. I suppose by exact nature, that means more reserved. But we see him use magic twice in he this does. episode. He does use it. Incredibly abruptly and to serve a very, very specific purpose. Once to get away from the big robber baron who uh, who he accidentally bumps into and puts him in the bear cage, which yeah. is a really fun little fun. quirk. That was fun. Uh, and then the second, I mean, he just blows the other robber baron away. The guy that's trying to, uh, you know, just chase the other. Da- Does he? Is he the one that says you can have him yeah. after he gets blasted by Loki's magic? <laughs> that was one yeah, of the great can, moments. Th- they're mine, rat bags. You can have them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes. Yeah, so he's, you know what? I'm just forming this theory live. Not so much a theory, but more of a character adaptation. He doesn't mind using his magic on simpletons, on other people. That's never been a problem with him. When it comes to Sylvie. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I think. Because I Sylvie think that's has a, a sword to the guy he's trying to save, but he... Mm-hmm has affection for sylvie and he is right he's but then again yeah there's the giant oaf once again the oaf that's in the carnival that he runs into and steps on his foot i just love that that's such a that's that's (laughs) classic but uh, it's one thing where i like to see every episode some of the menace of loki come out i don't want him to lose that and that's something i'm gonna keep an eye on speaking of menace i think it's time To talk big picture here, Jake, you brought it up a little bit earlier, kind of what I want to talk about. You're talking about injecting different Kang variants, different He Who Remain variants into the shows, and maybe having a different overarching villain. I'm not so sure anymore that Kang is the overarching Mm. villain, at least not necessarily right now. Time is weird. We're going back in time. We're going forward in time. We're going back to the TVA where time does not work the same. But Miss Minutes certainly seems to have a little bit more power than we've been led to previously believe. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think she's the key to it all, right? Um, I don't think I don't think the variants of Kang rise to their to their true potential without her existence because she has some degree of manipulation. I think. Not just mm. not just with Victor Timely. I think she's very much involved with all the variants. Because oh, I mean, okay. Kang, Kang would not, or he who remains would not leave and you know tell Loki and Sylvie to be worried or concerned unless he had a plan, right? Like he would not just willingly go out without some sort of failsafe for him to remain in the power struggle. Which is why Sylvie's so adamant about killing Victor Timely because. 
This is just the formula. And she's just right. trying to disrupt the algorithm. Yeah. And mm. so that makes me think that Victor Timely is he who remains. And this is where the cycle begins of Coroboros style, style mm. which brings another question that I'll ask in a minute. But yeah, like Victor Timely seems to me that he is the same as he who remains. He gets given this little booklet as a child, which leads him down the path to become he who remains, to then make the plan to give a booklet to this child in the past, who then becomes he who remains to give a book to a child, mm. repeating over and over again, as opposed to him being just a separate variant of Kang who is doing something. And yet he who remains fails time and time again but miss minutes is always there mm. is theory is ouroboros a kang variant <laughs> wow. everyone's wow. a kang variant wow um guys i have something to admit on podcast <laughs> i'm oh, a kang variant. oh my <laughs> god he just ripped his face off you you think you think that is wild chris is the kang variant <laughs> I think Ouroboros uh -oh. is a Paul Rudd variant. Oh my <laughs> god. The Ben wow. and Jerry's variant or the uh Yeah, Ben and Jerry's version. Yeah, only the oh, Ben and Jerry's version. That's my Jake, favorite. Jake, I I don't hate that theory. You know, it could be possible. I do think there's something very interesting going on with Ouroboros and mm. Victor Timely, because Victor Timely said that he like in the book the creator of the TVA or the the author of the book, the guy who Victor Timely thinks invented all of this wonderful stuff is Ouroboros. Right. And right. I mean, Ouroboros did do a lot of this inventing and stuff. So how does the Victor Timely as an inventor and Ouroboros as an inventor, how's that all going to tie together to right. lead to the creation of everything? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll do one of my famous even though i don't think i've got a single one right my famous uh, first scene of the next episode predictions victor timely steps through this time door and comes face to face with the creator of every single invention every single note and detail that he's ever read ouroboros and that is going to be a very fun scene seeing them together he gets an autograph right away <laughs> right away he's going to get an autograph yes I still think Ouroboros is a villain character somehow. Mm. I We get less and less of him every episode, which is not ideal. But at the same time, that might just be a mislead. It might just be working in the shadows. Oh, we need someone's temporal aura. We need someone's temporal aura. Yes, we got Victor Timely. Now Ouroboros' plan can come to full fruition. I, I can't really put the pieces on it just yet, but I still have an inkling that he's kind of the, the threat here. Yeah, I, I agree, Chris. I they I kind of liked that he was out of this episode because it was, I, I mean, other than, like, he, he didn't make a entrance city, or was he? Was there maybe a scene or two with him? He back was in the beginning scene. The very beginning. Yeah. I, I, I like that as well. We're all gonna die! Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I, I really I we he has his motivations at the moment but now that you do have Miss Minutes and uh, oh not Miss Minutes because she's out with Ravona now that you do have Victor Timely in the TVA now I think this storyline I think is going to take a turn and I don't know where it's going to go mm. but I think it could be very interesting we know that we have to get to in the future Sylvie opens up the the, the, the right. phone the phone is ringing for loki or the past yeah. version of loki 
Sylvie opens up the, the elevator door. The TVA is in total chaos. Does that happen in epi- the, the penultimate episode the, uh, or the ultimate episode? I don't know, but I feel like we have, we're looking at that. That's the end goal for season two. What that means, I don't know, but I'm sure as hell bet it has to do with Ouroboros and Victor Timely in some way. Good that you bring that up because I was going to talk about the two of them again. Um, I'm going to rescind my initial theory and I'm going to re- reinstate a new theory that there is no Kang without Ouroboros. There is no Ouroboros without Kang. Ouroboros is the connecting piece for Kang to become who he is meant to be. Mm, that yeah, is I'm thinking that right. he's he's I'm the glue to the whole the whole system it's like how every rick needs their morty exactly every kang needs their ouroboros exactly <laughs> okay jamie there's another thing i just wanted to call out here and it was a small moment but there's a reason that victor timely went back to his uh by yes. the layer across the water where he I has lowered it. taxes <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> uh, and you see this sphere, his contraption, this small sphere. Mm. Now, the question is, did we see that in Quantumania? Yes. yes. That, that was it. it. That was that the was power it. sphere. That was it. Yep. I love oh. that. I don't, he says it's a prototype, and but he does say it's the culmination of my life's work. So that's what he's trying to build. That was the Quantumania yes. power sphere? Yes. Oh. So once again, just small, like small things like that make the connective tissue. And with Kang as a character, because he's going to be everywhere over the past or the next five years, I love that. Like, um, yeah, we'll see what he uses. Does he use that in the TVA? I don't know. So what is interesting, though, we all have confirmed, you know, uh, unanimously. What would be interesting? or uh, Yeah, whatever. I didn't sign on for whatever you're about to say. (laughs) Hey, it it happened in the future and the past. You've already agreed to it, Chris. (laughs) Sorry, I signed on. So what is interesting here is obviously this is currently in the possession of Victor Timely. How does that get into Kang's hands? Um, And so obviously his inventions are going to have to be tossed from one variant to the other. You know, if Kang the Conqueror is to obtain that orb, so well, I, I so here's I would think that they're individually making those. You know, even though they're variants of one another, I think I I would have taken that as Kang the Conqueror had made that oh, over time true. in his own way, and they all do that. Now I don't know what that means for when you then have a thousand Kangs in one Colosseum, but I, and that's maybe the power of them, they, right? They either yeah, make it fair. all themselves or. Now that he has access to the TVA, he jumps mm. to all the different timelines and shares his knowledge with all the other versions of himself. Mm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That makes sense. But this is my question. Are there infinite versions of Chicago? Are there infinite versions of that window? Is Has this happened in every timeline? Or is this the sacred timeline, the only time ever that has ever, ever, ever been dropped through the window? This is a reboot. This is to start over. This is he who remains planned to start over in the case that it needs to start over. But how many times has this happened? If we're talking Ouroboros and the cycle, I believe it's always happened and always will be. And time is a flat circle. But is that happening in many universes in just one? Man, that that breaks my brain right there. I tell you what. It's all so confusing. But you know what's not confusing? Mm-hmm. Giving these wonderful episodes a classic hoopla rating on a scale of one 
to 10 as we do every okay episode. Well, wait we have to talk about the ending and yes we mentioned we'll talk the quote the about being very angry but what does it mean that ravona is now at the end of time because we known all along that's what she wants the only way to get free will the person at the end of time that controls it all that's what she's wanted all the way through season one now she's finally there it's not the way that she imagined her get self getting there but do we think she's going to take up that mantle and just be happy with that particular job role? Do you think she's going to use that to work back into the TVA? She's got a temp pad. We know that because Miss Menace is with her. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe it's too early to theorize on that because it all depends on what that secret is. Can she just pick up the job of He Who Remains just because she's at the end of time? I don't know. Well, I mean, you need the TVA to do that. I was under the impression that she was like, she was abandoned there. She was marooned at the end of time, unable to do things. But you're thinking that maybe right. she can just become she who remains of course that's sylvie's plan that then goes awry because she has a tempad and she can presumably she can open up a portal right wouldn't it be Hmm. wouldn't it be the ultimate irony that sylvie was trying to come to the to the carnival to say he who remains i'm gonna kill every single variant so this can't happen again and lo and behold she just sent the one yeah. person that could control time back to the throne room. Wow. Mm. That'd be crazy. I love that I theory. Love that. Wow. that is good writing. I think you just figured out Loki season two. Chris. Well, th- maybe because Lokis are destined to fail and l- all she did was continue the cycle and literally push Ravona into that role. Oh, man. I like that as a theory. Mm-hmm. Put that in pen. Yeah. I never yep. put my theories in pen. Get that shit tattooed on your chest. <laughs> so is is Ravona gonna sit sit atop the the he who remains throne like Boba or Fett corpse. sat atop Jabba's throne? Yeah. He's right she's before leave Book of Boba Fett. Just sitting there. She's just, just sit right on his lap. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> it could it could go as far. Now this is a reach, but it could go as far as Maybe Jonathan Majors doesn't make it out of phase five. See, that's what I was thinking when I initially was posing the question of is Ravona maybe a variant? Because that would be another way for Marvel in the meta sense to move on from Jonathan Majors. That's that's a really bold I don't, and there would be a lot of backlash, but that, the it confusion is of that would be incredible incredible exactly i like that idea but it's like we've already seen a coliseum of a thousand we've seen (laughs) a true we've seen an egyptian god jonathan majors character like that would be pretty confusing if they were like tried to play in ravona's character into that i mean it's fine if they want to bring her into that role but they cannot do it in a tv show like absolutely not that would be the worst decision by Kevin Feige and all of the executives that are behind Marvel is to totally change their entire plan in the TV show. No, absolutely not. I, I do think that's a good idea that she would. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great idea. She could show up within Secret Wars or Kang Dynasty. Sure. But yeah, if, if they're going to make that move, it has to be on the big screen. Agreed. But we still have three more episodes left of Loki season two, and we got all sorts of fun questions to be answered, fun, probably new questions to ask as we go along. So as we bring this episode of the Hoopla podcast to a close, 
Let's go around, give it some classic hoopla ratings on a scale of 1 to 10. Andy, what did you think about this episode? You know, after a, a, an immediate watch here, I do actually want to go back and rewatch just the all of the Chicago scenes. Like that, that was such an inventive, you know, that Act One and Two, and then obviously getting on the boat in Act Three uh, and seeing kind of the culmination of what happens to Timely and taken into the TVA. I, it was just fun, and that's what we need from this this series. I would say I'm going to give it a, a, a quick 7 out of 10. I thought Ooh. it was a, a good episode. If I remember mm. correctly, you Hoopla. gave episode 2 a 6 out of 10. I did, but I feel like I'm not in a place to give this one an 8 out of 10 at the moment. Okay, fair enough. Jake, are you in a place to give this a 10 out of 10? Jim, I... Uh... I looked at last episode several times. I tried to watch it one time, failed. Tried to watch it a second time, failed. Barely made it through a third time. It was a solid four for me. This episode, I was thoroughly <laughs> you entertained it three from times. start. That's yeah, incredible. It was so difficult to get through. Couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> Something like that. I kept jumping back in time trying to find this random dude running around. I don't know. Who knows? Anyhow, uh, this episode, I was gripped from the beginning. I enjoyed every second of the content I watched. And let me tell you, 8.5 for me on this one. Hoopla. Mm. I, I, I really that. enjoyed this episode. Finally happy. This was like my, my Thrawn moment when we finally saw, you know, Victor Timely uh, to get that pivotal character for, you know, the show's outlook. Uh, and honestly, they're doing great so far now that he's on uh, on the screen. So this let's was, see this where was they your, go from here. This was your Hall brand episode. Go back yeah. to Rachel Power <laughs> to know what that Hell means. Yeah. Oh my God. Go listen to the Hobbit Hoopla about Rings of Power. The greatest Lord of the Rings TV show ever made. Chris. <laughs> it's also by far the worst Lord of the Rings <laughs> hey, TV show ever made. it is also by far the only. What do you think about this episode? <laughs> There's been an animated miniseries. Don't, come on, give it. Yeah, we, don't, we don't count that. Go listen to our Rings of Power episodes because they're great. And we loved Rings of Power for what it's worth. But we're talking about Loki. And we're talking about episode three. We thought we might be talking about episode three last <laughs> week. That turned out not to be the case. I'm going to go back to episode two and bring it down. That episode is now a five out of ten. That I gave it a six as well last week because I thought they had a deeper meaning to it, a plan for all the confusion. Turns out that's not the case. Five out of ten last week, nine out of oh, ten this week. This oh, is a full return to form. You get a little bit of everything. You get the Mobius and you get the Loki interactions, having their little quirks, just like we wanted from last season. You get... A bunch of conflict with Sylvie, and the TVA is rotten and must be taken down. A giant ghost Miss Minutes. Yes, you got a giant Miss Minutes. Tara Strong, one of my favorite voice actors of all time, is prominent in this episode and was going to continue to be prominent throughout the back half of this season. So everything is coming up top notch, and this is what they can and should be doing with the Marvel TV shows. I'll give this a 9 out of 10. This is uh, a near near perfect episode of Loki. My goodness. I love these ratings. They're all over the place. And I'm going to join you. I'm going to give it an 8 
8.5 out of 10 hoopla. Um, I enjoyed every moment of it. It was just a, a fun show to watch. The acting was spectacular. It was goofy. It was silly. They were just having fun with it, and I was having fun watching. So thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Hoopla Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for episode four of Loki season two, and be sure to keep tuning in regularly because we have Gen V episodes coming out. We have other stuff coming out. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You heard all this stuff at the beginning. And more important than that, it is time for the moment of highest hoopla, the quote of the episode. What do you got for us this week, Andy? As Miss Minute said, you better run. (laughs) Spooky. Spooky season, Miss Minutes. (laughs) Creepy Miss Minutes. (laughs) 